This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Aminio left the building. Guerrero lifts one to left field, and gone! Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody. Chris Townsend with you here on A's Cast Live, getting you ready for the A's and the Brew Crew coming up here at uh, 105. Rich Hollenberg, Rays broadcaster, is going to join us at 1130. And once again, people in baseball are doubting the Tampa Bay Rays. They don't think that the Rays are that team. Can you get my microphone up a little bit more? Uh, the great Commander Cody is with me. Stephen Vote. Voter is going to be here at noon. That's what I told. Is that right? I was told like noon or like a little afternoon. Vote will be with us after he's done on the field. So he's back with the A's again. That is a shocker. We'll get to that in just a second. And Dom Catronio will be calling the game with his dad. Always a very special time in the spring when you get the father and son duo, the Catronios together that, I mean, come on, that's just magic, right? The dream to be able to call a game with your son and for a son to call the game with his father and Vince's wife and Dom's mother is the nicest human being in the world, and I know it means the world to her, and uh, it's something really special. So we'll have that today for you right here on A's Cast. Steven Vogt, I saw it. I'm not shocked by it because when you're around this for a long time, nothing shocks you anymore. I mean, nothing really can shock you in baseball. You know, moves like this are not made necessarily in other sports. But in baseball, yeah, doesn't shock you, especially with the A's. In the type of year that the A's are having, which is going to be a year of a lot of change, not a whole lot of continuity, Trying to find people that, you know, may be a part of the future. I don't know. I don't know how many guys on this team for the majority of the year will be what you call long-term. Some might be. Some might be here, you know, if if everything goes to plan when the new ballpark is going to open up. Some of the names you might see this year may be a part of that group. But a lot probably won't. So why bring in a guy like Stephen Vogt? Well, A, he's like really bringing in somebody who is that tweener between the coaching staff, which is, you know, 
luckily a staff that's been here a long time. But he's that he's that like tweener in between player and coach. And what he can be, the eyes, the ears, the mentor to a lot of guys who are going to be coming up that they're going to trust, they're going to look to. Not to say they don't trust the coaches, but still coaches are coaches. Stephen Vogt will be somebody that he's one of you. Even though he's closer in age to the coaches, even though he's probably really tight with some of the coaches, but he's still a, he's a guy in uniform as a player. He's paid as a player. And so he can be somebody that you could see that really is about helping guys develop. And you really can look from the catcher's position. That's one. But also in life. You got to help some of these guys with how do you become a big leaguer? How do you, you know, how do you handle yourself off the field? Finance, romance, you name it. There's a lot getting thrown your way when you get to this level. You're not in AAA or AA in some small town in the middle of nowhere anymore. You're now in the big leagues. You're now staying at the Ritz in the Four Seasons, private planes. You now have people who are way more interested in you. All of a sudden, you got better looking. All of a sudden, according to the CBA, you're now making over seven hundred grand, And people see you as dollar signs long-term, as the average big league player now makes over $4 million a year. You got guys signing $300 million contracts. Could you be one of those guys? That's how people will see you. Most guys obviously will never get to that level, but that's how people will see you. And a guy like Stephen Vogt has seen it and done it. No, he hasn't signed a $300 million contract, but he's played with guys. He's played with future Hall of Famers. He's made two All-Star games, so he's he's been around the best of the best. He's seen it. He's done it. And you bring him in to kind of, you know, be the adult in the room. Selfishly, great for us because we got the relationship with him, known him for years. You know, great moments in the playoffs. You think about his big hit against the Tigers in the in in the uh, ALDS, and all the years, and Johnny Gomes bringing him out to do the referee, and you know, that really put him on the map as people saw that, and then they just went hog wild for it on MLB Network. Having Stephen vote on the team. With the extra roster spot, hell, with a couple extra roster spots at 28, why not? And the great thing about Stephen Vogt and his wife as a basketball coach, you know, she has always been like, get your butt out there. You're not retiring. You're playing. And maybe this starts to, and we'll ask Stephen coming up here at noon, maybe this starts the transition of Stephen Vogt becoming a coach. And I don't know how old his kids are. Cody, I'm not going to – you have any idea? They're a little bit older now because they were young when he was playing for us. 
Yeah, because voters thirty seven. We share the same birthday. This couple years apart, but I think I want to say his kids are probably I don't know. If I had a guess. They're not babies anymore. Yeah, they're not toddlers. Yeah. So at some point, you know, you, you 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 get into the I'm back with the A's family. I mean, look at look at our manager now, Mark Kotze. Mark Kotze, the same thing. Transition from the player, start being around the organization, kids start to get older. We forget about these guys being family guys, right? We forget about this. I don't because I'm dealing, dealing with it in my life. I got two 16-year-olds. I mean, all my kids talk about is college. It's crazy. They're sophomores. I didn't talk about college as a sophomore. I didn't think about what was my major in college going to be as a sophomore in high school. The pressure that these kids are under now, to, to if, if you want to pursue higher education, what you got to do, like, it's crazy. California state schools, like, it's hard to get in. I grew up right next to San Diego State. Grew up right next to it. San Diego State was San Diego State. Not a big deal, right? It was known as a – it was always like a top five Playboy – remember Playboy Magazine? Does everybody remember Playboy Magazine? Is this still a thing? I don't know. But back in the day, being the top party school or being one of them was a big deal. Like, Chico held that title forever. San Diego State was on there. Now, they get so many kids who want to go there, it's hard to get in. I was like, what? Do you realize UCLA gets the most applications out of any school in the country? Do you know how hard it is to get into UCLA now? That doesn't surprise me. Southern California is nice. And they apparently, I've seen their campus, but apparently their campus is very nice. I've been to the campus. It's incredible. But still, it's like that the pressures. But getting back to um, Stephen Vogt and – seeing it through Kotze is your kids get older and you start to realize, okay, now what am I going to do with my life? I played. I set my fi- family up financially. You think your wife just wants you hanging around and playing golf? No. So um, you got to find something to do. And this will help be that transition for Stephen Vote, probably into coaching, and then one day, and we'll ask him, have you thought about managing? There's only 30 jobs. It's a special job. There's only 30 of them in the world, big league manager, right? Whether you talk, you know, NFL head coach, basketball, hockey, you know, there's only so many of these jobs in the world. And to have one of them is pretty special. You know, there's a lot of people who want to be management. There's a lot of people that want to be the head guy. But most people aren't cut out to do it. It takes special people. People got to gravitate to you. You got to be able to be a leader. You got to be able to be a teacher. You got to be a listener. You got to be compassionate. There's all these different things. If you're going to be, this isn't like back in the day, Earl Weaver, Dick Williams, or I'm the guy and what I say goes, and if you don't like it, you're going to sit your ass on the pine. Nope, those days don't exist anymore. You got to understand your players. What are all those, you know, is Tony LaRusso still doing this at, God, I don't even know how old he is, but 
77, I want to say now. It's it's up there. Um, what's the one thing they always talked about with Tony? Every single day, Tony would just cruise the outfield with the A's, the Cardinals. And we've now seen it with the White Sox. Tony just cruises around batting practice. I wish you could have seen it with us as Tony's become a friend of this program, the Hall of Famer. And Tony came over to do the uh, A's cast live from the field when we were playing the White Sox. And after the interview, Tony was great. Like, Tony kept wanting to keep talking, which was unbelievable. It's like, uh, we're coming back for break. Thanks, Tony. Tony was stood there and just talked. But anyway, just watched. Tony cruised around. And you know what he does? Talks to every player every day. Whether you're his star player in Ricky Henderson or Jose Canseco or Mark McGuire or you're Mike Gallego or you're whoever you are, Tony just kind of cruises around. And you know who also did that? Bob Melvin. Because it was something you guys didn't get to see because fans weren't allowed in the stadium at the time. But Melvin would... Melvin would cruise around and make sure you have a conversation at some point basically with every guy every day. You want to know, how's things going? How's the baby? How's your kids? How's your wife? How's your girlfriend? Hey, I heard your mom's not doing well. How's every? You want to know. You want those players to know, hey, this guy's concerned about me as a person. That's what manage. That's what good managers. It's management. You have to manage the room. You've got to be the adult in the room. As I always say, you're the guy at the front of the plane. You're the guy at the front of the bus. You're the leader. There's a reason why in the NFL, there's like seven, eight buses. The first bus. So when you get off the plane in the NFL. There's like seven, eight buses, and there's a police escort. Every team has a police escort everywhere they go. The, and the buses all have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, depending on how big your traveling party is. With the Raiders, I think we always had set six to seven buses, depending if, you, if this was a trip that you were going to be bringing sponsors and stuff. There could be eight. But bus number one? Bus number one, whether it was getting onto the plane, getting off the plane, going to the hotel, leaving the hotel to the stadium, from the stadium back to the plane, bus number one always had one guy at the front. Front row, he was the guy. No one else sat with him. No one else sat there. There was one guy. Who was that guy? The head coach. It was the head coach. He's the leader of the team. He leads. It's just, and I remember with the A's, Bob Melvin, front row, by himself, every time, to the ballpark, ballpark back to that. That's the guy. And a lot of people want to be that guy, but a lot of people can't. And... Some people get that opportunity, and they don't last very long in that job because they don't have what it takes. 
Steve Vogt could be that guy. So I'm excited to talk to Stephen Vogt uh, coming up here at noon. Going to be great to have him back. And what does he see as his role? What did what did Billy? What did David? You know who who who's talking to him? What have they told him the expectations are? Because this is not to me one of those deals where. Your agent calls up. You do a deal with the agent. The agent calls Stephen Vote. Stephen Vote signs. Stephen Vote shows up. Stephen Vote plays. I don't think it's that. I think this is a this is a long conversation with the front office because the relationship and I, I these guys I bet had a, had hey Stephen this is exactly what what we see for you and Stephen saying this is how I see myself yeah this is a fit this this is not an agent is involved but I guarantee what I'm trying to say is this was a deal done between the players and the organization this is an organization Stephen loves and this organization loves him so this just wasn't an agent going you know this wasn't your typical Scott Boris calling up Billy Bean going. Hey, I need a favor. There's been some favors, right? Agents who have long-time relationships with front office people will be like, hey, I need a favor. Can you sign my guy? Stick him in AAA. Um, can I give you one? I think, take, I think I know where you're going, but take, I want to hear it anyway. Take a guess. Take a guess. Uh, are we going to throw out the Dark Knight? Why was Matt Harvey signed? What? Why? Why? No, every, well, you know, we saw maybe the – the potential of Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey needed 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 a spot, and so Boris's people found him a spot. They have a great relationship with the A's. Um, it is what it is. I thought. Speaking of another former A today, I thought a fascinating, too fascinating. Um, to us, the Rays will always be fascinating. We'll get in that with uh, Rich Hollenberg coming up here at 1130 as everybody's trying to downplay the Rays again. Um, so the Rays are, are, you know, are they still the cream of the crop with what everything Toronto's doing? Um, you know, everybody just because they're the Yankees, they're, they still want to think the Yankees are the, you know, the over and unders that we got to get into, the season totals, which, by the way, are so much fun. Now, we as employees cannot partake in this anymore, but I used to love to do this. So they come up with it in Nevada. They come up with it. Boom. Season totals. The X team will win X amount of games. You vote the over or the under. Let's say 91 and a half. What's cool about this bet is that you make the bet and the bet lasts for months. You know, unfortunately, when you go to Nevada or you go to anywhere here in California and you gamble, your bet usually is within around 30 seconds. I mean, there's an average time while you play blackjack how much your money rides. It's not very long. Win or lose, bang. Well, when you bet on a season total, your bet, if if your team is hanging around the number, it's a six-month bet. I don't know. I feel better about my money being out there for six months than I do 25 seconds. Just saying. So, I, were you, I was shocked. I would, literally, there's some of the people on there, um, or I shouldn't say people, there's some of the teams on there, purely reputation. 
Like the Yankees over and under is purely on reputation. There's what, four teams at 91 and a half? Yeah. Tied for the American League, and the Yankees are one of them? No, they're not. Yeah, it's Yankees. I'm looking at it. Yankees, Astros, White Sox, Blue Jays, all at 91 and a half as their projected win, uh, win total. Now, you really don't want to make, you don't want, I mean, you may have a hunch now. I would say if you wanted to ask Uncle Towney, I would say wait to see how spring training ends in case there's an injury, something happens. I'm going under on Yankees. Who's starting behind Garrett Cole? Who's our number two? Luis Severino's coming off an injury. We we just did that. Didn't we just have a Yankee? Yeah, yeah, Randy Miller from New yeah. Jersey Vance Media. He, like, he broke it down. He was just kind of like, eh. Tyone, Tyone's hurt. They want they they they've sp- supposedly been talking to the A's about Manaya and Montas. Yeah, which it was reported the other day that looks like that we're going to keep those guys for now, which might be the smart move. But I mean, who's I mean, and then you look at their lineup like they haven't resigned Aaron Judge yet, and they're apparently going to work on a long term deal. But we speculated that how great it would be if he was a Met. It's just yeah. the, the the Yankees. I don't. I just. I mean, they. You're right. They purely get the 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 love and the win loss totals because of. What they do every year? Do I think that they can win that division? They could, but again, I'm I'm worried about who's starting behind Garrett Cole, because most of those guys are either hurt or they, you know, last year they were okay. Like Nestor Cortez Jr., I, I don't mind him, but like, is he really a guy that you want to plug in as like a three or four in your rotation? Roster resource goes Cole, Montgomery, Severino, Cortez, Tyon. Okay, so N- Montgomery got. Sh- I mean, it's a spring training, but he got uh, roughed up in this part. Stop that. <laughs> That that's your five, which as we know, the average team uses thirteen. So I don't even know. I don't even know if we even look at this anymore. I, I'm starting to wonder. I had a, a conversation with a buddy of mine who I played with at San Jose State, the great Dave Sick. If anybody knows Dave out there, a former Lake Elsinore Storm Angel, by the way, won a title. In the A, he won two titles in the A's or and in the uh, Angels organization. One I think was in Boise. Way back to when in the nineties, were they in Boise? Like Low A was in Boise, probably. So he won in Boise and Lake Elsinore. He took two rings from the Angels organization. But we were talking about going, you know, back then. So he was our ace at San Jose State, and by the time like he pitched like a hundred and thirty something innings, and then he went to pro ball and pitched. I mean. Pitching 200 innings in a year for for guys, even lower amateurs, was nothing. They project, you you realize, by the way, this is the new thing, folks. Roster resource from Fangraphs is the best thing. If you want to talk depth charts, is the best thing to go to because it tells you how they were acquired, who the players are. They have projections. They only have one guy, if we're talking about projections for the Yankees, Sniffing 200 innings, that's Garrett Cole at a 199. So, he didn't uh, do it last year. There was only four guys that did it. These are the projections, 199, 158, 151, 133, 146. What do we say? There's 4,374 outs you have to get. I, looking at starting rotations now is kind of like pointless. But I look at their team. And I just go, wow, is this team going to win 91 and a half games in that division? I, I right now, once again, I would wait 
till the end of spring, I would bet under. I'm, I'm trying to think. Okay, let, I let, can see them being 85, 86, ton of injuries. Look at the ages on these guys. Aaron Hicks, they say, is 32 and a half. Okay, yeah, probably with 33 during the year. Anthony Rizzo is 32. His age is 32.6. Aaron Judge is 29.9, so he's 30. Uh, John Carlo, how old do you think he is? Uh, he's 31. 32.4. Okay, so I was off. Wow. How old do you think Donaldson is? Uh, Donaldson's 36. 36.3. This is not a young team. The youngest player on, the, on their team right now might be Connor Falefa or their backup catcher. Connor Falefa is twenty-seven. Um, but but that's young compared no, to some of the other guys. They got Glaber Day. Glaber Day is it DH? We've been touting Glaber Day as well. You know, you know, sounds like an Oakland A already, right? For a trade, he's twenty-five point three. I thought he was like twenty-three. He's twenty-five. He's 25. Point th- he's not that young. He's been here for how long? He's 20. So I'm just looking at their ages, looking at their team. I'd go under. That one's very surprising. There's another one that's – I mean, there's one on there that's – it's the um, the black cat in the room, uh, essentially, on that the win totals. Uh, I don't know if we want to get into it now or save it, but there's one team on there that I'm, I was really blown away with what their uh, win total was for this year. The Giants. The Giants. It's eight. What was it? Eighty-five and a half. You're telling wow. me they're going to progress? They're going to lose twenty, almost twenty-one games from last year. Twenty-two games from last year. Well, I'll tell you a very interesting interview today on High Heat with our man Chris Russo, the Mad Dog, the Radio Hall of Famer. Um, he had Farhan on today. Our buddy Farhan. Are we going to get him anytime soon? By the way. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get them when we play the Giants because remember right. we played them twice this year. So the far so Farhan came on with Chris Russo on High Heat MLB Network and basically Russo, who is a Giants fan, was like, "Hey pal, how are you?" And then gave him that. I don't know how you did it last year, but I don't see you doing it again this year. How's it gonna happen? No Posey, no this, no that. <laughs> no Gossman, no. <laughs> let, let me let me hear your side. Let, let me hear your thoughts. <laughs> and Farhan, did, you know, he goes, he had 19 pinch hit home runs. You're not doing that again. I mean, he literally spelled this whole thing out about why the Giants would not, you know, yeah, you had the meltdown in game five against the Dodgers and your closer melted down and did this whole thing. And it was like, I mean, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. But I can just imagine you know, if you're doing that to Farhan and you're some, you know, regular radio guy, I can see Farhan probably being ticked. But since it's Mad Dog, who Mad Dog has the has the chops to be able to do that, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of crazy when you think of how many different guys the Giants used. Whether you're talking arms, bats. I mean, they used, they threw, as they would say, the entire kitchen sink at you and had so much go right for their team. I mean, if you really went back and did a whole thing on their season and went from an analytical standpoint, it was a brilliant game plan 
but it was brilliant because it basically all worked. You had older players have great years. If not, Brandon Crawford had like a career year in some ways. I'm looking it up right now. Brandon Crawford last year hit 24 homers, hit 298, had a slugging of 550 or 522. The highest slugging of his career prior to this past season was four. 465 the year prior in 2020. Every year other than that, it's been it's been around 430. Oh, sorry, he hit 462 as well, but it's around 400 ish for his slugging. He hit five. His slugging was 522 last year. They used the most guys up and down from the minor leagues. Yeah, we, that was that's for sure. They well, once again, the most pinch hit homers. I mean, they did all this stuff, and everybody's like, that's not going to work again, and. Rodon, huh? Matthew Boyd, okay. I mean, Rodon, yeah, it's stuff, but does he stay healthy? Matthew Boyd, you know, how are they going to do it again? They lost, They had the biggest coaching staff. They lost a couple of the coaches, uh, but they have the biggest coaching staff. It, it, it was it, And to watch Farhan, or I shouldn't say watch, I listened to it on, uh, on Sirius XM, um, it was it, – you know, he stood his ground. And basically, Farhan is playing money ball with money. I mean, he's like, and then right after Farhan was Dave Dombrowski. First GM I've ever interviewed. That's my guy. Dave is like the complete opposite. Dave, Dave is spin, spin, spin. Take your prospects. Trade them for, to, to help the big club. Like, if you want to win a World Series... And you are all, if you are all in to win the World Series, Dave Dombrowski's your guy. I mean, there is no question about it. He is, he's going to, he's looking to get you to the, pro, he's, he's looking to get you to the uh, promised land. And he's not worried about where your prospects and what's going to happen four or five years down the road. Uh, so those two different interviews today with uh, Dombrowski and Farhan on uh, High Heat today were were really interesting. We do have Rich. Rich, welcome to A's Cast Live. How are we doing there in Florida? Uh, things are beautiful in West Central Florida, Chris. Great to be with you. Now, you know, we, we always have a soft spot in our heart for the Tampa Bay Rays. As, you know, whenever we talk Rays and A's, you know, the – so many similarities when it comes to analytics, to how the game is played, to the issues with getting a stadium done, and uh, all the crazy rumors going on about our organization, your organization long term. So out here out west, we're, we're always paying attention to what you guys are doing out there, and we're always rooting for you. Well, that's nice to hear. Uh, I, I would term that a friendly rivalry, and that's always good in sports. You know, when, when we, at this time of the year, everybody is trying to talk about how they're going to have a good year. Everybody's talking about your acquisitions and all this kind of stuff. And recently, Nevada came out with the uh, season totals. And, you know, the Yankees are always inflated. Now people are loving the Blue Jays. How much do the Rays just revel in the, okay, we'll always be the underdogs, but deep down, we know we're not the underdogs. We're actually the favorites. Yeah, you know, Chris, I, I've been with this team long enough to know that 
when everybody zigs, that's when the rays zag. And and in the beginning, I think it was strictly because of the economics of baseball, right? Lowest payroll in baseball for almost every year uh, since they've been in existence. And yet, I think in the last handful of years, really since Kevin Cash came on board, I, I think they use that as their calling card. That is their strength. That has become the Rays way of doing things. And now to wit, you see all of these big market clubs trying to copy and emulate what the Rays are doing, not so they could save money, just so they could get more wins and compete more consistently the way that the Rays compete. And I could tell you honestly to a man, Chris, the Rays do not care what other teams think about them or dismiss them, especially the media, they think we are going to go about our business the way we go about our business, because this is the best way for us to win ball games from game one to game 162 and to get us into the tournament with a chance to win a world championship. And going into this season, you, ne- you named it. The, the Blue Jays are better. They signed some big names, Matt Chapman being the most recent that you're obviously familiar with. The Yankees are always going to be like that. The Boston Red Sox are always going to be like that. The Rays didn't make a lot of moves. They've got a lot of the same familiar faces from last year and even the year before, which heretofore was unheard of. There was always a tremendous amount of turnover on the Rays roster because of economics. But the last couple of years, they've kept the core together. And that's a a nod to their excellent farm system. But then they have a way of bringing in veterans with a chip on their shoulder, undrafted rookies, cast-offs. I, I, I affectionately refer to the Rays, especially their relievers, Chris, as the island of misfit toys. <laughs> no one else wanted these guys. The Rays bring them in, and all of a sudden they cobble together arguably the best relief staff in baseball. So they've had success doing it with money aside, and they're going to keep working that way because it's been working for them. You know, when I think about buy-in, you got to have buy-in. And it's sad to say, but the last time we had a winter meetings was down in San Diego at the Manchester Hyatt. And Kevin Cash joined us on this program. And it was great to have him on. And when you talk to Cash, uh, my, my producer likes to say he's best friends with him. He calls him Cashy. Uh, when, we were talking to Ke- <laughs> when we were talking to Kevin, you're like, you see the energy. You, you just see the leadership. You understand why all these guys, there could be stuff that goes on that as a player you may not like. You might get some innings taken away. You might get sent down. You might get at-bats taken away. But Kevin Cash, he gets the buy-in. And when you're a great leader, you can get everybody around you to buy into the process. Talk about how Kevin Cash really is the perfect guy for the job. Well, not only, Chris, is he local, right? He's a hometown boy, grew up in Tampa, went to Florida State. But he's old school in terms of the type of player that he was. And he'll be the first to tell you, quickly or seriously, that he wasn't much of a player when he played in the big leagues. But he's got a couple of World Series rings, and he's been in the AL East. And I can tell you that he buys in to the way that the Rays do things because he wants to be here. And there's one word that comes to mind when you ask me that question, Chris, and the one word answer is communication from Eric Neander, the president of baseball ops, all the way down to Kevin cash. 
this team communicates inside the walls of their fraternity better than any professional or college program that I've been around. They are constantly communicating in difficult situations, in support situations, and obviously in winning situations. Everybody knows where they stand. There is no BS. There is no dancing around difficult conversations. There is straight talk and real talk and some tough love. But what there is always is constant communication. And I think that is the number one aspect of why Kevin Cash has been so successful and why the Rays have ultimately been so successful, especially coming off back-to-back AL East championships. Well, you talk about adding a big name. Uh, that big name is a guy you already got. I'm not sure about his health. Tyler Glass now, obviously, is one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. Coming off Tommy John surgery, I don't know where he is with the arm, but didn't he just have something done on his ankle? Where are we with him? Yeah, I just saw him uh, a few moments ago before the game started here against the Orioles in uh, in Charlotte Sports Park, and he had a boot. And it was weird because it was the first time I've seen Tyler this spring, and I'm like, I expected to see something on your arm, but <laughs> not on your foot. It was something that's bothered him for a while, honestly, and the elite-level athlete that he is, he was able to kind of play through it. But his doctors in consultation with him, of course, said, you know what? You're still recovering from your TJ. This is the best time to do this surgery, clear it up. And then when you come back from your arm surgery, you're going to be even better and more ready to go because your ankle's going to be that much better. So I think it was a calculated type of a scenario, the timing of it. Obviously, the Rays have zero expectations, nor should any fans of him coming back anytime soon. So take this time to not only keep rehabbing your elbow, but rehab your ankle. And by all accounts, it was very minor surgery anyway. So take care of that. And then you come back even more close to 100% than you were before. Like any clue when he might be back? I I don't think there's any clue. And I think the Rays, you know, the, the smartest voices in the room um, are smart for a reason. There, There's no reason to tip our hand and tell anybody, let alone me, when Tyler Glass now is expected back. You could take your best guess. You could go by the day that he had that elbow cut and say, well, usually it's about 16 months after that. Uh, if you do the math, then, you know, that math would make sense to me. But the Rays don't operate the way that everybody does. And they're certainly not going to rush him back. And then obviously, you know, the question arises about his status with the team and his contract status. And a lot of people were saying, well, if he's having Tommy John surgery, this might be the last time we've seen Tyler Glass now pitch as a member of the Tampa Bay Rays. And that still could be the case, but I'm not so sure just yet because the Rays have had a tendency and a history to trade for guys who are in that situation i.e. Nate Evaldi, who they brought back a couple of years ago and then traded him to the Red Sox, they have more of a history of trading for those guys than trading away those guys who are coming off an injury like that. So I think the jury's still out. I don't, I don't really have uh, a hard and fast answer for you on that. Well, when Wander Franco signed that big contract, I'm not sure he was able to buy people drinks yet. I don't even know if he was 21. I think he's just 21 now. I mean, 
a superstar product, uh, lo- locked up long-term with the Rays. That's great to see. Just how good can this guy be? I think we'll be talking about Wander Franco competing for an American League MVP as early as next year. Um, I look at Vladdy Guerrero as the closest comparison that I could make to the talent level that Wander Franco has. And by that, I mean both of those guys graded out as an 80-grade hit tool, which almost never happens. Both of those guys had that. Here's the one thing that Wander has that I think after a couple of years in the bigs that Vladdy had to learn and didn't have in his DNA necessarily, it's the work ethic. And I think the Rays invested in Wander more for his work ethic, or at least as much for his work ethic as they did his other natural talents, his supernatural baseball abilities, which in some respects are just God-given, Chris. You know, you look at him and he just exudes professional athlete, even at this tender young age. Uh, But I think the fact that regardless of his hype, of the attention that he's been paid ever since he was 13 years old, he still comes to the ballpark every day playing like he's playing for his job. And that's exactly the kind of player that the Rays love. And that's why they invested in him in a way that they have never invested in anybody since Evan Longoria and even more than Evan Longoria about 10 plus years ago. So um, I think the ceiling has yet to be even seen for what Wander Franco could be. But he stays healthy and Vladdy Jr. stays healthy with the Toronto Blue Jays. I think those are going to be the two top guys in the conversation for American League MVP for maybe the next five years. And the bottom line is when you're going through all this, you still got to have a good time. Is anybody better than that in that clubhouse than Brett Phillips? Uh, Hey, listen, his company says it all, right, Chris? Baseball is fun. And I will say this. He is not a mascot. Like the Rays, you know how the Rays do baseball business. They could be as cold-hearted and cutthroat as anybody because at the end of the day, the most important thing is your win and loss record. And they believe in Brett Phillips. He is an elite-level defender. He has elite-level speed. And was the bat a little bit lacking? Yes. Is the, are the strikeouts alarming? Yes. But I can tell you this from CNN, Brett Phillips came into camp this year in the best shape of his life, and he is part of a really deep outfield rotation that the Rays clearly feel he is on whatever basis, whether it's limited, part-time, full-time, whatever you want to describe it as, he is going to contribute to this team in much the same way that he did last year. Well, we'll end on this, and I know people ask me this all the time, and it just gets old, and you're like, wake me up when there's shovels in the ground, and that's with our ballpark because <laughs> we're like you. I mean, there were talks about Montreal. There's St. Petersburg. There's Tampa. Hell, there's talk about us in Las Vegas, back here in Oakland. Just Is there anything new, or is it just same old, same old? Well, I, for one, am, am thankful when it's same old, same old, there's nothing new. Um, I think, the, again, the brain trust of the Rays uh, are the ones that I always defer to. And whenever fans ask me questions about the baseball decisions or the operations decisions, I always defer. I say, they're much smarter than I am. 
whatever ideas or thoughts or opinions I have, they pale in comparison to the people they have in their boardrooms and their front offices. They have earned the respect and I think the right to go back to whatever drawing board they're on and come up with the best way to keep baseball in Tampa Bay. Now, did I agree with splitting a season with Montreal? No, because selfishly, I live 10 minutes from the stadium, Chris. I don't want them going anywhere. <laughs> but if it's a question of move the team to Tampa versus St. Pete and they stay in Tampa Bay for the next multiple generations, then I'm all for it. If you put a gun to my head, I think that's ultimately what's going to happen. But I have no news. And as far as I'm concerned, no news is good news at this point. I hear you. Thank you so much for the time. Enjoy the rest of spring training. And let's talk soon. You got it, Chris. Thank you. Good stuff. Talking about the Rays. Rich Hollenberg, part of the Rays broadcast. And we've been seeing this, by the way, and I saw it the other day. Um, it was Tigers. Whoever the Tigers were playing, Jack Morris was talking to Christian Illich, the son who now has taken over for the great Mike Illich, who passed away. And Jack Morris had the Bally shirt on. So Bally's must be a cable company. They must have bought somebody out. Yeah, they took over for Fox Sports. I was about to say, who the hell is Bally? Bally's was a gym back in the day. Yeah, Bally Sports. So that's where the Detroit is, uh, the Rays, I want to say the Marlins, the Angels. There's everyone that was on Fo the Rangers or whoever's on Fox so Sports. So the Angels are now Bally's? Yeah. They've been Bally for the last couple of years now, all these teams. They switched over in like 2020 or 2021 that's been around. I, for some reason, just never really noticed it. Yeah, it's it's relatively new-ish. Well, that's fun um, because, cause, God, Angels was a big deal because that was the Angels and the Dodgers at one point were fighting over the cable rights. The, the, the Dodgers have the biggest cable deal now, but remember it was Fox Sports West and Fox Sports something else, and the Angels signed this deal with Fox Sports for 300 and something million or whatever, and that's when Time Warner came in and – Gave the Dodgers the biggest deal, which is still to date the biggest deal in cable TV, even though, like, majority of L.A. couldn't even <laughs> see it. Uh, the Dodgers were raking it in. So, Bally's. Now, people inside baseball will tell you that slow your roll on, on the Blue Jays. Don't, don't be buying stock in the Yankees. The Rays are still the team to beat. And no matter what the rules are, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna add at least at the start of the year, you're gonna add roster spots. That gives the Rays more flexibility. No matter what the rules are, the Rays figure it out. They've been the masters of the shortened uh, disabled list. What are we calling it now? Injured list. Injured list. The IL. They were the masters at using that up and down guys. You know, they created the shift in a lot of ways. And I know people go, wait, they shifted against Ted Williams. No, it was the Rays who were the ones who started shifting on a consistent basis. But Joe Madden, that's how long it goes back. The Rays were the ones that started doing the opener on a consistent basis. The, Ray, the Rays have been at the forefront of so many different things. And they manipulate rules. And as Rich just said, they'll take guys that 
other teams are cast-offs. Don't worry about it. We'll take you in, and we'll turn you into an all-star. We'll take you in. I mean, it's like big, tall, hard-throwing guys. It's like they got a tree in their backyard, and they just grow on this tree. And it's one after another. They're like nameless, faceless dudes that keep coming out of their bullpen. Like, you know, we don't. We only get, in, unless you're at 4 o'clock every day wondering what's going on with Rays baseball on the MLB package, you know, you'll just you'll see them randomly on some Sunday night baseball, and they'll throw like eight relievers, and you're like, who are these guys? But that's what they do. They will utilize, you know, when someone came out with the article a few years ago, and they said, we need to stop concentrating on the 25-man roster, obviously now 26. First part of the season will be 28. But the article was great. The article was like, the teams that are going to win the World Series, and oh, by the way, there's been a prediction out there that we got to get to. Somebody has put a big old bold bad prediction out there, and I love it. Um, how do you utilize your 40-man? Because if, if the average team's going to use 13 starters, if you're going to use a boatload of relievers, and you're going to have position players get hurt, how are you going to utilize your 40-man roster? And how are you going make to it, make it work for you? And those are the teams that, if you're going to have a chance to win it, I mean, look at the Atlanta Braves. I mean, the Atlanta Braves, I mean, they're a team that won 88 games. I mean, was there anybody in July going, watch out for the Atlanta Braves? I don't even think they were over 500 until uh, August. I mean, how are you going to utilize your entire deal to get you to the end? And then now you have a team like the Giants that won 107 games. Everybody's going, ah, that's not going to work again. You just don't know. How are you going to utilize everything you got to get you through six months and to get you those 4,370 what? 4,374 outs. 4,374 outs. That's the amount of outs you got to get not counting extra innings. How are you going to get that many? It's a lot of outs. Because in this game, Run prevention is bigger than scoring runs. How do you prevent the other team from scoring? With your pitching and your defense, that is the number one thing. If you say, we're just going to outslug everybody, oh, okay. Who's the team you'd think about? You'd think about the Yankees. And I'd say, oh, that's interesting because the Rays scored way more runs than they did. You think the Yankees, everybody sees these big Yankees, oh, my God. They don't score not even close to the most runs in Major League Baseball. They're one of the worst offensive teams in baseball. Yeah, but everybody thinks, oh, got a bunch of big sluggers. That strike out a lot. Well, Rays dominate them. They absolutely dominate them. And how sad is that? What he just said is so true. No news is actually good news. When it comes to a ballpark, when did anybody ever say that? But that is what happens when you don't have anything good to say. When you don't have any good news, when you don't have, yep, shovels are going in the ground on this date. 
We've had X amount of binding votes. Everybody's all in. Every council, every board, every this, every that, elected officials, non-elected people. Isn't it amazing how many non-elected people have power? You start to realize when you go through these things. But more importantly, sometimes it's great to reunite. Sometimes it's phenomenal to bring someone back to the family. And I know for our fan base, there are certain players that have played here that it's just not you, you, you respect them as a player, you respect them as a man, you respect them as what they did for a lot of the fans. And one of those guys who will always be on the list, and he's back, is Stephen Vogt. Stephen, Chris Townsend with you here on A's Cast Live. Uh, what great news to have you back, and welcome back to the Oakland A's. Well, thank you, Tony. I appreciate it, man. It's, uh, I'm so I'm so excited to be back. I'm honored to be back. Um, just, yeah, my family and I could not be more excited right now. You know, I was thinking about when a deal like this goes down, and, you know, normally an agent calls a team, and they, but I'm like, this this runs so much deeper, your relationship with, with Billy and David and this organization and this coaching staff and everything that you know and how much everybody loves you. What was this like getting you back with the A's? Uh, I mean, it was it was pretty pretty seamless, actually. You know, I, I – I, I don't really enjoy the business side of this of this game. Let's put it that way. So, um, you know, David, and my agent, got together and it, it came together pretty quickly. It didn't take too long. I mean, I I made it clear that you know I want to be back. I want to come back to this place. I want to be here. Um, want to come home in a sense. Uh, it's really what it felt like, and um, it, it came together fairly quickly. And uh, just like you said, just so comfortable with everyone here. It is family. It is. Um, you know, we feel like it's our second home in Oakland, and uh, we, we just – we're so excited to be back. You know, when you think about where you are in your career, and by the way, you know, you think of last year being a part of the Atlanta Braves and all these teams that you've been on. You know, talk about where you are right now. What's Stephen Vogt bringing to the Oakland A's? Well, you know, honestly, it's, it's one of those things that I'm still – I'm still a good player. I still love playing baseball. I still have a lot left in the tank as far as playing. Uh, But it's also, you know, I've been through a lot. I've been through injuries. I've been through winning. I've been through losing. I've been through trades. I've been through DFAs. I've been through, you name it. Uh, You name it, I've been through it. And now I've been part of uh, waiting two weeks after a lockout list to get a job. So, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things, Tony, that I feel like I've experienced a lot in this game and I'm thankful for all of it. It wasn't always easy. It wasn't always fun. Um, I've had to work really, really hard to come back numerous times. I've had to work really hard to establish and reestablish and, and all of those different things. And so for me, what the biggest thing that I can bring to the, to the Oakland A's right now is just to go into this clubhouse and be myself, help, help these guys learn quickly, help these guys learn from mistakes. And, and just learn how to be professional every single day. And that's what I've tried to be my whole career. And, um, but, but also to, to come bring, bring, bring my abilities and help win some games uh, on and off the field. And so I think for me, that's what, that's what I'm most excited to be. And I'm really excited to play for Kate. Um, you know, obviously he was one of our coaches when I was here uh, before and I'm really excited to play for him and, and, uh, and just to see how that goes. 
Yeah, we opened the show talking about you. Obviously, you being down there, you had no chance to hear it. But I, I, I talked about how there's going to be a lot of young players. There's going to be a lot of guys who come through that clubhouse this year who have no idea. And when I talked about you and what you can do for these players, I, you know, these guys are going to be making more money than they've ever made before. All of a sudden, everybody's going to want a piece of them. All of a sudden, they're way better looking, and women think they're great. And I'm like, hey, listen, Stephen Vogt's been an all-star. Stephen Vogt's been around some of the greatest players. You've been around Hall of Famers. You understand the life of a Major League Baseball player at the highest level. You understand it in the clubhouse. You understand it on the field. And you understand the business and what happens away from the field that a lot of these guys, Stephen, they show up, they know nothing about. They need, talk about how they need someone like you that they can, you know, it's one thing to talk to the coaches, but to talk to a guy who's also a player, what a godsend that can be for a guy's career. Yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. It's it's one of those uh, situations where you're right. There, there's a getting to the big leagues in a lot of ways. It's it's obviously one of the most difficult things to do in sports. But getting to the big leagues is the easiest part. It's figuring out how to stay here. That's the hardest part. Proving yourself that you you belong in the major leagues for the rest of your career is the hard part. And the things outside of your job are what can take away from that. So absolutely, I think that. Um, I'll be able to, to share those things and to be on a peer level with them. Although uh, I've, I've got a, I've got about 15 or 16 years on a lot of these guys now uh, yeah. in life, but um, you know, it's one of those things that I, I truly enjoy helping and I just want to help any way I can, you know, so circling back to what you say, what do you bring to this club? I, I just want to be available. I want to be available to, to play. I want to be available to talk. I want to be available to help learn. You, you name it. I just, I want to be present for my teammates and just present for the organization. Well, and also one thing that you always have had that gift is you can still hit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I still hit. I can play some first. I can catch, you know, um, just what, any way I can do it. And, uh, you know, I, I still, you know, I, the reason I came back is I love playing baseball. I, I love playing baseball. I have my whole life. I still do. Uh, today was my first day out of practicing with the guys and man, I felt like it was first day of school, Christmas morning, just the excitement. I woke up at 5 a.m. ready to go today. I, I, no way I was going to sleep till my alarm today. And, uh, you know, had it had just so, so much fun being out on the field. It was, it was amazing. I know we've talked to you about this in the past, how much your wife has meant to your career as she's a coach and, and she has always encouraged you and made sure you're not retiring, get your butt back out there and play. Uh, I, I, for me, I see this kind of like how Katze, you know, Katze went from a player to a coach, now a manager. Do, do you see that in your future? We'll see, you know, we'll see. I, I you know, I, uh, one of my teammates last year, Charlie Morton uh, with Atlanta, you know, he talked to me, you know, he's a little older than I am. And, and he said, don't, don't focus on what may it be the end or don't focus on what's next. He's like, enjoy every day you can while you're playing and the decision will be clear when it's time. And um, I want to stay in the game County. I want to be a coach. I want to be, you know, media some way I'm going to be involved in the game of baseball. I just don't know yet because I still love playing and I still feel like I can. And until that day, um, I know there's going to hopefully be an opportunity there because I love baseball and I love the game and I want to give back when I'm done playing. And, um, you know, but literally just kind of thinking one day at a time and one year at a time, 
and just enjoy every moment that I have to still play the game I love. And uh, the fact that I get to do it in green and gold again makes me smile ear to ear, and I haven't stopped smiling since Wednesday night. So um, it's going to be a great, great season, and I can't wait to get started. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, yeah, uh, write it till she bucks you, and then – any 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 studio job, any color analyst job you want, you'll be able to get. So that that whole that whole aspect of your life will be there for you because you'll be fabulous as, as if that's what you want to do. If not, coach, I want to take you back to 2013. Was a magical moment for all of us. I remember taking all the phone calls after the game. I mean, just when you look back at 2013, Tigers, what was that, game two, the walk-off hit? Mm-hmm. I just, just when you look back now, and I'm sure you've thought about it since you've signed with the A's again, take us back to that wonderful moment of your career. Yeah, I, um, uh, 2013 was such a such a special year for us because, you know, I'd, I'd been DFA'd by Tampa Bay after going 0 for 25 in 2012. And, really not thinking I would ever get back to the big leagues. I think I kind of thought I had my one shot. And then obviously Billy went out and traded for me um, after the DFA. And I got an opportunity to play for Sacramento in the eighth. And uh, for the first time in my career was, was told that I belonged in the big leagues by Bob Melvin. And um, when he told me that I just took it and ran. And, uh, but that moment that night um, against the Tigers game two, you know, the walk-off hit was obviously one of my favorite moments, but, um, earlier in that game, I say this every time, that the, the walk-off hit was my second favorite moment. There was, in the fifth inning, Sonny struck out Austin Jackson, and then I threw out Jose Iglesias trying to steal second to end the first and third one-out threat. And, you know, my whole career up to that point, I'd been knocked for my defense, that I, I, I could hit in the big leagues, but I wouldn't be able to, to catch. And to, to do that in that moment and to come through for your teammates, especially defensively, was, was such a huge moment. And But getting to that walk-off hit, I can put myself in that box. I can hear the 50,000 fans and then the millions more at home screaming and uh, just the ability to be able to come through for your teammates to win a playoff game. And um, but that moment, I've watched so many angles of that hit on YouTube from different fans that have posted that. And my family and I have watched those all the time, all the time. We, we love watching those uh, from the fan perspective. And um, that's, that is a moment and that will always, always be one of my favorites in my career. It's not my most favorite moment uh, personally. And uh, just being in Oakland and winning that playoff game was, uh, was magical. I want to end on this because I think you got a magical moment coming up is when you take that first at bat back in Oakland and the chant, I believe in Stephen Vote. I mean, not many people get a chant in their career. When you have an entire stadium screaming, I believe in Stephen Vote, and you're back in the green and gold, and you're back after that long road trip, and you step into the box, what do you think that moment's going to be like for you? Oh, man, I, I've got chills right now thinking about it. Um, the fans in Oakland mean everything to me and my family. Uh, they embraced us from day one. Um, supported us from day one, made us feel like we were part of the Oakland family, um, took such great care of us and uh, still chat with a couple of fans, you know, on a personal level, you know, consistently. And, um, but just the, the thought of the fans chanting again in Oakland and um, just walking back into the Coliseum wearing green and gold is going to be an amazing feeling, not alone to see the familiar faces back as an A. Uh, it's just an incredible feeling that 
I don't know if I'll be able to put into words, but it's going to be such a special moment and, um, you know, be, be trying to hit through probably a couple of tears in my eyes. That's for sure. So, uh, I'm, I'm so thrilled to be back and, uh, I'm so excited to get rolling and, uh, see what we can do this year. Well, I, I got to tell you, you've always been good to us here on A's Cast, and it is great to have you back. We'll be down there on April 1st. Can't wait to see you. But congratulations. Welcome back. And I know I know what it means to you, what it means to the fans. It's, it's going to be a very special season. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, and uh, thanks for having me. Look forward to catching up throughout the season, too. Take care. All righty. The great Stephen Vogt. Never forget that moment, man. He ripped that ball, and the place went nuts. Oh, those two series against the Tigers were so emotional, and it was just, ah. Oh. And Steven votes back. Really cool. You know, it's going to be one of the good moments. You know, start of the year, he steps up to home plate. I believe in Steven Vote. I believe it. I mean, that's going to be magical, man. Not many guys. You got it? I got the I got the hit against the Tigers. It's a TV call, I believe, but he, here it is. Vote lines it into left field. A base hit. Cespedes will score, and the Oakland A's walk off with Game Two of the ALDS. Jim Leland had to put his cigarette out. What a big hit by Vogt. Punched out the first three times up. Got a pitch he can handle, hit a bullet to left field. What a night. Caught a shutout, got the game-winning hit. How about the combination of Sonny? Was that, was that Eck and Buck Martinez? I know those Buck Martinez it sounded again. like Eck, but was Eck doing? What was that on? Uh, that would have been. Was that a TBS game? Yeah, so that would have been. Don, was that Don Orsillo? That didn't sound like Don. It's, uh, I don't. I'll have to look it up now. Two thousand thirteen was a long time ago, but uh, yeah, there it was. And man, you remember how the stadium was shaking? It felt like a Raider game. It was just awesome. And that's what you always have to remember as an A's fan. Those times always come back. That's why when people are like, I can't believe what's going on. I can't believe I can't. It's okay, folks. It happens. You retool and the A's are back. It happens over and over again. It's so funny to me, especially these guys who are like, you know, big A's fans, but they're on Twitter, and unfortunately I have to see it. You know, I can't believe, how would you even pay to see this team? Okay, anybody that goes for it every single year, they end up getting screwed. Do you not follow this sport? Anybody who tries to go all in every year eventually falls off the cliff. No one maintains it. Literally, the Yankees are the one team that have maintained a level of, and even though they only have one title in X amount of years, 09, they've maintained playoffs, but who else has? 
you try and maintain playoffs, basically what that means, you're always going to de- deplete everything you have in the minor league system, and at some point, your play, you get expensive, you get older, and you have nothing coming through the pipeline, and you're screwed. Excuse my language, but I'm trying to set a point here. Who's going to pay for this team? Yeah, you, the, these, these guys, these fake media members slash fans who try and talk tough about the A's, they're going to be the first ones cheerleading and going up and down, talking how great it is when the A's are back in the postseason. They were the same people bitching in 2011, but then they were there trying to get their press pass in 2012 when the A's were in the postseason. They're fake. I've seen them for years. They're fake. And they'll act like they're fans. And then, you know, some of the fans, I'm not showing up. I'm not paying for this. But they can't wait to get on board for 2012, 13, 14. But they were complaining in 10 and 11. It's a process, man. You're just, you got to go through the process. You have your window of opportunity. You try and seize it. Then you move and redo it. When have the A's stayed bad for 10 years? When? Can, can you find me an era where there were 10 years, where Cody's Pirates went 20 years under 500? Well, thanks for bringing that up. 20 years didn't happen. Like, look at the Red Sox. Look at the Giants. These are Red Sox and Giants are two organizations that have lumped championships together. And during that time, as they've lumped these championships together, they've had years where they don't go to the playoffs. I mean, it's just it's the way sports works. I mean, other than other than the Patriots, who goes to the playoffs every year? Steelers are pretty close, but yeah, I mean, the Patriots are number one. There's 32 teams. You should be going. Well, this team, this team, this team, this team. That's the one thing I always love about asking questions like that is people like you will give me the outlier. The Packers. Okay. Those, Still got 29 teams yeah, to go. There's three. There's three. There's 29 <laughs> teams to go. The 49ers aren't good every year. They've been bad for how many years until the last couple? You want to know my Raider record all those years working <laughs> around the Raiders? Uh, they've been in the playoffs twice since 2002. Uh, well, the year that uh, Derek Carr got hurt on Christmas Eve oh, against the Colts. That was, that was there. It was so heartbreaking. Oh, my God. And the Connor Cook is starting in the playoff game. First time a rookie – has ever started Jack Del Rio. I remember doing the TV show with Jack Del Rio. And off air, it's like he's the first rookie to ever start his ever first game, and it's in the postseason. And Del Rio said, there's a reason. That's never happened. Yeah. I mean, he, Del Rio knew. Del Rio knew after we got done doing the TV shows, like, we're going to get smoked. We have no shot. Because yeah, remember, Matt, what, Matt McGloin got hurt in the last game of the year, the too. The wee McGloin. Matt McGloin got hurt in Kansas City. The pride of Penn State. Uh so I'm looking up the the big longest stretch of uh, postseason uh, drought for the. Give A's. it to me. The longest prior to Billy Bean was seven years from 1993 to 1999, and then in the Billy Bean era, it was 07 to 2011, with no postseason. Then it was three straight years, and then it was three years of you know re- retooling, and then yep. three straight years in the postseason. 86 wins last year. The most this team has ever lost under Billy Bean and David Forrest is 94 games. 94. See, that's the thing. It's like, I wish we could take everybody's comments on Twitter. 
There's a lot. And hold them to it. And then when the A's get back into the postseason and you're trying to storm the gates. I'm not telling you not to be mad. You're fans, right? You're fans. You have every right. You're a fan. And fan is short for fanatic. Is it fanatic or fanatics? Either or. But there also is reality. Fans, you're not supposed to live in reality, but some of us have to live in reality. And it is fanatic. It is fanatic. Fanatic, fan is short for You fanatic. can expect my team should win every year. Okay. You know. I'm sure Mets fans in New York have been saying that for all these years. Think about Yankee fans. They expect to win every year. They've won once. and I mean, it's just it, winning's hard. Winning championships, it's really, really hard and really special. Going to the playoffs multiple years in a row, not easy to do. And what happens is, is you take it for granted, and then all of a sudden you stop going and you realize, oh, boy, we stink. And you stink for a long time. But let me tell you something, that bandwagon, everybody hops on really fast once they start winning again, boy. Trust me, I I, I know it. Remember from- that? I remember I remember doing shows outside the Coliseum. People are coming up, tear down the tarps. Dude, we got 8,000 people in the stadium. Tear down the tarps. Remember that? Yeah. And all of a sudden, they, take, still, they still do it. And then, and then you take down the tarps, and then it's sold out. And you have the incredible 2012, and then opening day sold out, and the next night, 8,000. Tear down the tarps. It's like, you know, they'll, they'll, show, they'll show up for the playoffs. Yeah. I, I was Once say- again, see, I hate talking to tenants. I don't know how I get lured into that. I'm not talking to tenants. All I care about is the people who do go and who listen to this show. But the bandwagon of the hate on the team, and then you act like you're super fan when the teams win in. Hey, man, true fan is you're with the good with the bad. That's where I'll always give Raider fans love. Raider fans every year, because nobody for probably a span of 10 years did more Raider shows, radio and television than I did. That's when they were bad. No one even close. And every year, everybody had the Raiders win the Super Bowl. (laughs) And it was God bless you, right? And that you're like going, you think you're going to win the Carson Palmer? We're going to win the Super Bowl? Um. Well, they won 8-8, eight and, eight and they weren't losers anymore. That was Tom Cable. Oh, that was even with Palmer. Hugh, Jack City, Hugh, Hugh Jackson was, we're building a bully 8-8. Yeah. Eight eight. That's when they had Carson yes. Palmer. Tom Cable was the 8-8, eight eight, we're not losers. Who was the quarterback when Tom Cable was there? Wasn't Andrew Walter, was it? <sighs> no, what year was that? That was... Aaron Brooks? I don't even remember. What year was that? 2000, let's see, 2010. It wasn't even in the 2000. It wasn't even in the 10s, was it? It was 2010. It was 2010. They went 8-8 eight and eight with their quarterback being, let's see if I was, Jason Campbell. Jason Campbell. And Bruce Gradkowski, the pride of Pittsburgh. And then right after that, the, the, the Raiders were poised to have a good year, and he broke his collarbone. Hugh Jackson was the head coach. Was that against the Browns? I remember, I remember that injury, and then they went and traded what? How many first to get Carson? Two Palmer? first rounders for to get Carson Palmer. <laughs> they went eight and eight again, though. Yeah, they weren't losers. They weren't winners. They were that, just. It was that bad game against Detroit. If they would have beat Detroit, no, I didn't write. Um, well, I got the schedule right here. A game against Detroit. They tied. Was they? Where's the score at? Uh, they lost. There's some bad loss. It was a bad loss. Why well, doesn't bring up the? I guess I have to click on the box score to see it. They lost. 
to the Lions, 28-27. So the Raiders had the lead, and I remember they threw Megatron. They just, Stafford just chucked the ball down the middle of the field. And, the, and Megatron, it's like, how do you not have eight dudes around Megatron at that point? Should have never lost that game. Would have gotten the playoffs. That's true. And then there was, I think it was the year prior, there was a year where Janikowski missed a, like a 32-yard field goal in Arizona. This is great knowledge. I can't remember his name. Who who was the stiff that married the playmate who was the Cal quarterback? He was a number one pick by the Ravens. Kyle Bowler. Kyle Bowler. Remember Kyle Poehler had to start a game? Oh, my God. He was, was, he, was, he was on this right here, Kyle Bowler. I mean, we're, we're already down the rabbit hole on this Raiders talk for a second. That, that year, in 2010, when Bowler was on the team, he – well, in 2010, he only threw two, four passes. So, he had to start in 2011, he had to start a game? Yeah. Let me, all right, let me pull it up. Yeah, he was awful. Threw a pick down the sidelines game. It yep. was like right – 0-1-1, the... 15 of 28 with three interceptions yeah. in the game. It was a bad game. <laughs> Yours truly had to do all the post games after that show for those games. It was so much fun. Um, but, yeah, that was the cool thing about Raider fan. And still is to this day. Every year's winning the Super Bowl. Doesn't matter who's the head coach. They got a good shot this year coming up, though. Hey, this Raider team. <laughs> look at Josh McDaniels is kind of reborn, right? He's, he's building a bully in, in Las Vegas. You know, you know, had his issues with Denver and maturity. Goes back all those years with Belichick again and Brady and winning and everything. And now as a much older man, new perspective. I think I was like so pro the hire and all these my buddies were like this is horrible. I'm like, dude, you're judging him what he did with the Broncos. What twelve? What was it? Twelve. Yeah, it was like it was yeah it was 2010 or something. Yeah, that long ago. You don't think he's his grown? quarterback was Tim Tebow. Like, are you the same guy that you were 12 years ago? Only, I mean, come on. The only thing, and we'll, I'll end the Raider, I'll end my McDaniel's thing. But the thing with the thing that rubbed me wrong with him is when he took the Colts job, and then two days later said, "Ah, I'm going back to New England." Yeah, we got triple eight nine five seven ninety five seventy. It's Raider talk. Um, can you play me the Dave? Ro- so Dave Roberts was on Dan Patrick, and. Normally, and you may say, I don't know if this has ever happened. It, it It's had to have happened. It's happened in other sports. But in baseball, has a big league manager ever said this before the start of the season? The Dodgers will win the World Series if we play a full season and there is a, a postseason. We are winning the World Series in 2022. So, but I know where you're going with that. No, what We're are you winning doing? the World Series this year. Put it on record. You are winning the World Series. We are winning the World Series. That's our focus. That's our goal. Um, but to your question, we are winning the World Series if um, our starting staff stays healthy. I know that's vague, but I don't want to. And then that's, I, that's my answer. Okay, but you're are, you can dig in a little bit on that, but I, I I think it's about our starting pitching. You know, just keeping our guys healthy. I got no problem with that. Seriously, I have zero problem with that. Dave Roberts, friend of the program, who we had on spring training two years ago, twenty twenty twenty, right before COVID. So Dave Roberts having fun with Dan Patrick. Yeah, why, why, why? I've never understood this. Why should you not say you're going to win? 
Like, isn't that the goal? Aren't you supposed to state your goals? Going back to going back to Raiders, for years I did the show with Bill Romanowski. Bill Romanowski has four Super Bowl rings. And Bill Romanowski always hated when a team would say, we want to win the division. He'd go, guess what, Townie? You want to win the division? Well, then once you've won the division, you've accomplished your goal. What next? You always got to have one goal. Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh. Think about that. Romo came into the league his first two years and won the Super Bowl. And he goes, I'd walk in there. There's Joe Montana. There's Jerry Rice. There's Ronnie Lott. Charles Haley. We're winning the Super Bowl, Townie. That's all Bill Walsh talked about was winning the Super Bowl. Ain't that division? I'm not talking about the division. It's winning the Super Bowl. That's my horrible Bill Romanowski impression. Guess what, Townie? I was going to say, just, just, just do the guess what. That's all guess you have to do. Guess what? <laughs> so it kind of blends with my Gruden. Like, hey, Townie. Let me say, hey, Townie, let me tell you something. Um, yeah, what's the goal? Uh, is the goal to make the wild card round? Nope. Is the goal to be a Cinderella story and just get into the tournament like college basketball? Nope. Hey, uh, why don't you go ask Dodger ownership? We're spending how much money? They're two seventy, I think. How much money am I spending in luxury tax? Oh uh, yeah, they're they're way over now. So I'm writing a. Have we ever found out where the money goes? That's a great question. I, I don't. who do you write the check to? Does that go into revenue sharing? I don't know. It's a great question. I don't know. I don't know the inner workings of the finance of baseball. Like somebody has to wire money. So you've been taxed for going over the CBT. It's a luxury tax. So And there's multiple layers of it, and you get fined for the more you go over and the amount of years you're over, the more you got to pay, right? That's how it works. Well, somebody in your finance department has to pay the fine. Where does that fine go to, and what do they do with the money? That's a really good question. My other question would be, do they still wire, or do they Venmo the, the, people, the commissioner and <laughs> Major League Baseball now? Can you Venmo that much money? <laughs> it's a great I, – I don't know. I never had a Venmo more than, uh, like, $1,000 before, so I don't know. <laughs> like, what's the most Venmo can – you, can you Venmo $30 million? Uh, let's, look, let's look it up. Can quick. I pay it in Bitcoin? Can uh, I do it in crypto? You might be able to do crypto and Bitcoin because that's a big thing. Like that's what uh, weren't the umpires wearing the FTX patches on their jerseys last year? Uh, uh, um, that was for crypto. I thought that was for uh, some type of technology. Well, I guess it would be technology. Uh, I'm trying to. It, uh, I might have to look at this. Yeah, the, it says the person to person spending sending limit. This is from 2021. Is um, five thousand. Wait. Man. Then now it's, there's no one saying t- up to 20000 It doesn't say any – I don't think you can transfer millions of dollars. Okay, so <laughs> the Dodgers can't Venmo Major League Baseball the, the tax for going over. Uh, but, man, if I'm spending that kind of money, that that's that that's where I, in, in years past I have always kind of appreciated the Yankees. Where, hey, we're here to win the World Series. Anything else, it's a bust. Okay, I'm cool with that. I mean, it's like the New England Patriots with Tom Brady. Do you think they were just, like, cool getting into the postseason? Do you think Michael Jordan was just cool? Do you think the Warriors? I mean, didn't we get to a point with the Golden State Warriors that it's championship or bust? I mean, going to the playoffs not a big deal. I mean, it's easy to say I'm not a season ticket holder. But, yeah, I mean, you expect the Warriors to compete and win the title. 
I don't think that's crazy. I mean, that's that's the goal. So if Dave Roberts, in a joking manner, says that's the goal, we shouldn't be like, I can't believe you said that. I'm old school. You shouldn't. Take that old school thing and get out of here. You old school people got to realize you've either gone out of business or you're going out of business with your old school mentality. Beat it. We don't want to hear it anymore. But I like it. Why not? I'm looking at the rotation because, remember, he said if our rotation stays healthy. Walker Bueller? Walker Bueller's going to be opening day starter. If we get to buying or selling, Hembo had a very bold prediction about Walker Bueller the other day on Buster's podcast that I want to bring up. Cy Young? No. Even, well, you'd assume MVP? Went, you'd assume he won the Cy Young, but it's, it, it has nothing to do with awards. It's the number of games he could win. So you got Bueller, Kershaw back, Julio Urias, who won 20 games last year, people forget, uh, Andrew Heaney, the new Dodger, former Angel, former Yankee, and Tyler Anderson, the former Mariner last year. So they're very left-handed. Uh, they're very left-handed, heavy in their rotation after Bueller, and Dustin May's coming back from Tommy John surgery. Do they get tired of the Giants throwing up all those left-handed pitch hitters? Uh, ooh, it's a good question. We'll see what they. We'll see what they counter. Their closer now is going to be most likely Blake Trinan, our our old friend. And I mean, they have a good bullpen. But if their starting pitching stays healthy with Kershaw and Bueller, and you get May back, and you have Orius, and then the you have average team has thirteen starters in a year. No one's going 200 innings, so from here on out, starting on March 25th, 2022, this show will not sit here and predict the season based off the five guys on a depth chart for your starting rotation. I'm looking at fans. Because you know why? Do you know why? Well, injuries happen. Because it's foolish. You are not... We, we And I love buying the magazines. I didn't buy my magazines this year. Sad. But they're, they have the lockout killed that. But I love buying the magazines. I like the projected starting lineups. I dig all of that. And that's a little old school in me. But right now, Cody's on roster resource, fangraphs.com. He's got the Dodgers up. It's pointless to go over the five. It's okay to do it, but for us to judge any team off who we think their five starters are going to be is ridiculous because the average team uses 13. If we go over the world champs, I don't know how long this will take you. We got Dom Catronio coming up. You know what? I'm going to give you an opportunity to figure this out at the break. Coming up next, we're heading to Arizona. It's father and son. It's one of the special days. They're probably doing it multiple times this year, but it's always awesome to hear Vinny and his son Dom together. We'll talk about that. And uh, he does stuff for the Brewers, right? Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's the co-host of the Locked on Brewers podcast. So there's our Brewers preview. Okay, no. Yeah, why not? He's going to be our Brewers guy? Yeah, why not? We're playing the Brewers. He's the A's guy today. We're not counting him as the Brewers guy. But he's, playing the, he's playing the Brewers too, though. All right, so coming up next, we'll have Dom and the answer. The Braves won the World Series. How many guys started a game for the Braves last season? A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All righty. We gave Cody a couple minutes to research. And we're going to tell you exactly why we will no longer on this program look at a preseason depth chart and go, well, I like these five starters, and this is 
The team that won the World Series last year was the Atlanta Braves. We learned earlier, was it this week or last week? What's his name? Mananson, how do you say his name? The 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 uh, Angels GM? Oh, uh, Perry Manassian. Manassian. Manassian said 13, the average team uses 13 starters a year. And I'm not going to say he's a liar. Are you going to call him a liar? No, we don't know him. So, no, I'm not going to call him a liar. And we want him on the program. Exactly. All right, so 13, the average team uses 13 starters, according to Manassian of the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Disney, whatever the hell you want to call them. The team that won the World Series last year was the Atlanta Braves. How many guys started a game, 162-game season, how many guys started a game for the Braves? I hate to say that Terry's wrong, Perry's wrong, but they only used 11 starters last year. Now, you know, he's talking about the average, so it's an average of 30 teams. Yeah, so they used 11 starters last year. Okay, so they didn't use five. No, and one of them was Jesse Chavez, who started four games. So that's the whole point. We can't sit here and go, hey, the Dodgers five, or the A's five, or the Yankees five, because you're not using five. I mean, we can't even use two broadcasters. We got to go out and we got to find people. We got to find people all over the place. Do we have one of those guys with us? Dom, how are you? Hey, Townie, how's it going? We are living the dream. How is Arizona? It's hot today. It's in the 90s, but a breath of a wind. It's just gorgeous to be back home. Yeah, for you, I know. The, the, this moment, we talk about it, and, you know, at first it was it was like, wow, father and son doing it. Now you've done it for a couple years, and you'll do it a, a couple times this spring. But I just got to think for your mom, your dad, and for you, I mean, you grew up idolizing your dad. You grew up watching him and listening to him. That these moments are always very special for the entire family. It's exactly that. You know, mom tunes in. We hear from folks that we haven't heard from in a while, and everyone knows it's you know it's coming every spring now. So this is the fifth straight year we've done it. It's it's always always amazing to do. I'm especially grateful to do it and be back with the A's. You know, given the last. Two years have been for me, so I'm, I'm just grateful that folks enjoy us enough to have us do what we'll do today, and we'll also do Sunday as well against the Mariners. So it's starting to warm up down there, huh? No kidding. Harder to pitch down here in spring training with less than two weeks to go. But it's still absolutely perfect baseball, perfect baseball weather. No complaints at all from me. So tell us what you are doing now during the season. Are, are you, You're working around the Brewers? That's correct. So I'm with the uh, the Brewers, Bally Sports, Wisconsin, as their lead researcher and statistician for Jeff Levering, Brian Anderson, Bill Schroeder, and Sophia Minnert's crew. Uh, they are amazing people. Uh, I'm so grateful that they welcomed me in last season. I also help out with Turner Sports, uh, helping them do stats and research for their national games. That'll be on Tuesdays this season with Brian Anderson and Don Orsillo and, so, and such. So uh, I've become the, the nerd in the back of the booth in these last two years. Uh, given, you know, minor league baseball was canceled in 2020. Uh, I was uh, unfortunately left on the cutting room floor in 2021 for my post in Corpus Christi and had to pivot last year, and, and here we are now. So it's the next best thing, and I'm grateful for every moment. You know, we, we were just talking about the Rays not too long ago with one of their broadcasters, and it'll be great to talk to you about that with the Brewers, is that, you know, the Brewers going into the season are kind of a, a little bit of a forgotten team, but uh, – Craig Council and the boys know how to win games. I think the Brewers are scary. They're terrifying if you ask the rest of the National League. And, 
I know a lot of folks don't want to give Milwaukee credit for being a small market and things like that. That's, I mean, everyone wants to talk about the Mets being the best pitching staff because they got Chris Bassett. No, the, the, the Brewers top to bottom is the best pitching staff in baseball. There are numbers to back that up. There is eye tests to back that up. I am still trying to find a better pitching staff top to bottom in all of baseball than what the Brewers have coming this year. It's absolutely insane what they have going on. We've got stuff out there now that we can't even research. Cody and I earlier today, we were looking. I can't remember what the article. Our buddy Eno Cirrus came out with this article. I get barrel rate, but then he was using this thing called reach rate. Both, both Cody and I were on our computers trying to investigate what the hell is reach rate and what is Eno Cirrus talking about, and nowhere could we find a definition. We could just find Eno on a podcast mentioning reach rate and no definition. So now that you're doing all this behind, the, how much have you learned and how much stuff is out there that teams are using that we've got no clue what they're doing? So just to give you a quick synopsis, reach rate's a great stat. It's just basically saying a guy doesn't chase and he's not swinging at balls. That's the whole point of reach rate. It's the amount of times that they swing at a pitch outside of the zone. That's reach rate because you've heard of swing rate and things like that. So yeah. it's basically saying, Here's a percentage of pitches that he's swinging that are outside of the zone. You obviously want that. But how do as we define? How do ha, I'm just asking? It's almost like I want to have you, as, as as I could have like an ask Dom versus actually googling this stuff, make it really <laughs> easy. Like how do we decide? How do we decide what the zone is? That's thanks to Statcast and thanks to Hawkeye and things like that. Okay, so, so it's what they have, say. You know, it's, it's, you have the shadow of the zone and things like that. So, so whatever whatever Statcast says, because each player, obviously Altuve and Judge, are two different sizes. Whatever they say, those guys' zones are. That's what you calculate it from. Exactly, right. it, it varies, but it, at the same time, it's still very, very close to what a uniform zone looks like. You don't get to get. You don't have to get lost in the sauce here, Townie. It's it's not too much. I know there's a lot of words and a lot of numbers being thrown out at you, but it's it, it's a it's just new ways to quantify what we always felt. You know, reach rate is in particular is just saying, hey, he knows the zone well. He knows when to swing and when he, he's maybe a little more passive than others. That's what you know. It's just quantifying what was previously unquantifiable. Yeah, I'm at the guy that rather be out in the restaurant and you just bring the sauce onto the meal for me and I'll eat it. I'll let the guys in the back do that kind of stuff. But you, now that you're doing a lot of that, just tell the fans what it's like as a guy that did play-by-play, you grew up around the game, you grew up playing, you love it, what you're learning with all the different stuff because there's always new metrics and new data that's being developed. Well, what I'm doing is trying to make the broadcast a little more informative, right? So – with Brian Anderson and Bill Schroeder and, and Jeff Levering, you know, they're they're pros. They, they know exactly what they're doing. They do their own prep and things like that. But if there's something I can find that can spice things up, but kind of like to your point, I don't want to get lost in the alphabet soup of all these rate stats and things like that. There's a time and place for that, but maybe not trying to squeeze it in on a 1-1 pitch, you know, in the middle of June. So it's just finding ways and finding proper times to, to get it into a broadcast. And it's up to BA and Rock to actually use it. But if I find myself writing a note for them that is a little too convoluted or a little like I have to explain it and I'm not even understanding, I, I scratch it up and try to start over and try to simplify it as much as possible. That's the whole goal of all of this. Now, I'm not going to ask you to be the general manager of the Brewers, but I will say this. Hater may be the most 
talked about traded guy never to get traded in the history of baseball. I, If not, he's at least top five. This guy has been traded a bazillion times, but yet last time I checked, he's still on the Brewers. He's still with the Brewers. I mean, remember, the crazy thing is that he was originally signed by Baltimore, then traded to Houston, and then sent from Houston to Milwaukee in what's looking like a really lopsided trade these days as far as Carlos Gomez and Mike Fiers. Uh, They got back Adrian Hauser, who's in their starting rotation, as well as Brett Phillips, who they flipped for Zach Davies, who they flipped for Luis Arias. I mean, it's I think the reason that everyone talks about Josh Hader being traded is the fact that, yes, he's already been traded twice, but they're so used to it with Milwaukee trading their stars. It's kind of like an A situation of the National League. But let's be honest, the Milwaukee Brewers are a legitimate World Series contender, not just National League Central. They're a legitimate World Series contender, and you're not going to trade the best closer in baseball. And yes, he is the best closer in baseball, one step ahead of Liam Hendricks in order to make it to the World Series. You know, he is the reason you're going to get to the World Series. And Hater's going to be a huge part of their future. And Williams with that changeup, man. That changeup is... And we'll see him today. <laughs> that changeup is just... In, uh, it's absolutely incredible. And, you know, just kind of looking at the depth chart, I mean, it's going to be, you know, let's see when McCutcheon's out there with Lorenzo Kane. It's going to be cool to see that. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, the guys that have just kept on going, got back on the saddle. McCutcheon is healthy this year. He dealt with some knee issues last year coming off of uh, the shortened 2020 season when he recovered from his ACL. Uh, McCutcheon will be mostly used against lefties, so today's a really good audition for him. He's playing right field and against Irvin, so we'll see what he can do defensively here at Hohokam, but he is brought here to hit lefties because, obviously, Christian Yelich is left-handed playing left field. McCutcheon probably has more to be desired defensively, but he can still be serviceable in a corner outfield spot. He's going to be a big part of what they do offensively because it was a pretty bad offense last year until they acquired Willie Adamas, who turned the tide for them and really made them one of the best teams in baseball. You know, there was a couple of years there where Yelich, when he was the MVP, uh, he had some years where you're like, wow, this guy's in the conversation with Trout as the best player in the game. And, you know, signs the big contract, which I think we all applauded with, with Milwaukee. People are like, he could have got more, but you're like, how much more do you need? The guy's happy. He's where he wants to be. Milwaukee's a cool place. He wants to spend the rest of his career here. Just how nice would it be at still at an age, what, he's about 30 years old, to get back to having one of those years where he's hitting over 40 bombs, well over 1,000 OPS, 100-something RBIs, you know, getting back to a 300-plus year. How nice would that be for Milwaukee after making that big investment? Well, of course, Milwaukee would be happy, but I think who would be happiest is Christian Yelich because he's gone through the ringer these last two years. I mean, 2020, you can throw that out because it was such a weird year for everybody. But then last year was really shocking for him. He wasn't healthy the entire year. He had some back issues, which kind of raises a red flag. I mean, he slugged under 400 for the last two years. That is not the Christian Yelich we know. So I think for Yelich, the thing that the Brewers are banking on is maybe some folks are critical that they didn't get enough offense this offseason. Well, they're banking on Christian Yelich returning to form. The the pre-knee injury when he fouled and fractured his kneecap on that freak foul ball in 2019 I mean, you could argue he could have been back-to-back MVP. Bellinger won the MVP in 2019 because Yelich missed those last couple of weeks, and he hasn't been the same since. Everybody's banking on him returning to form. He will still be in the two or the three-hole all season long in Craig Council's lineup card. And he does have for a little bit of protection now, too, between Willie Adamas ahead of him 
You've got Hunter Renfro probably behind him. Rowdy Telez is going to get the chance to play every day. It could be really interesting to see if he can get back, not necessarily on MVP level, but somebody that is an above-average freakish hitter that he truly is. You know, you just mentioned Craig Council, and we just all remember him as what a gutsy player and obviously what he did, uh, you know, with the Marlins and with the D-backs. And I know Bob Melvin and him are, are very good friends, and Melvin's, you know, is so high on him and, and his character. And he's now been with the Brewers for a long time. I mean, when you think about how long he's been a manager, and he kind of goes under the radar still. Because when people go, hey, best manager in baseball, how many times is Craig Council the first guy mentioned? I don't know how much you know him, but obviously the people you work around know him real well. What do they say about Craig Council? So I've been lucky enough to be in some of the manager meetings with him now that I'm covering the Brewers for Locked On Brewers uh, on the podcast side of things. But, look, the dude's a baseball nerd. He's all about it. I mean, talking to Bob Melvin about Council, that he was always trying to be a manager even when he was still playing, you know, asking questions, staying locked in with that kind of stuff. Look, I mean, he was, again, uh, in the top three of manager of the year last year. I mean, of course, no one's shocked that it went to Gabe Kapler after the year the Giants had, but you can argue – with the injuries that he had to navigate last year, Craig Council certainly is a candidate again and again and again. He is, in my opinion, the best manager in the National League, having to convince folks why he's the best manager in the National League, kind of like A's fans have been doing for years with Bob Melvin. I mean, Council is that good. And I'm intrigued to see what he does with the DH because he was so good at double switches and so good at getting his bench involved because of the National League naturally. I wonder if he's going to become, you know, a Bob Melvin type again, where we all know Bob for using his bench so actively despite being in the American League. I could see Council being that kind of a guy again here in 2022. So take us when you were uh, not going to do play-by-play. Was it Aaron Hills you went and you were working at? I'm wearing their polo right now. How was that? It's awesome, man. So the way it all worked out was when I found out in February I wasn't returning to minor league baseball, uh, I had a feeling it was coming, and a mentor of mine is Brian Anderson with the, the Milwaukee Brewers, and he had told me by happenstance he needs a stats guy this year. And he, I'm just like, hey, I'd, I'd be happy to do it. I used to do it down here for our friend Roxy Bernstein. Uh, it, it's not a really foreign to me, but, you know, I got to make sure I can pay my rent, you know, not just with the stats salary. And he said, well, I know the guys at Aaron Hills because I was originally got an offer from Pinehurst to caddy there. I used to caddy here in Scottsdale. So this all came around about way of saying, hey – you're going to caddy part-time at Aaron Hills be my stats guy at night. And uh, it's been the best. The amazing, amazing caddy barn at Aaron Hills. It's amazing, sacred. It's just awesome. 2017 U.S. Open. This year we're hosting the Mid-Am. We'll host the Women's U.S. Open in 2025. It is a special, special place. 100% public, 100% walking. Hopefully I can loop for any A's fans that are coming by. It's just an, a really cool place. It's my cardio for the whole year, and I, I love it so much. So I, I know in golf you got to help your dad and you got to give him tips. Now, when you guys do a broadcast, after it, do you, ever, do you ever have to give him, say, Dad, maybe you need to work on this. Maybe there's some things you could do. Do you ever try and help him out with his broadcast the way you, the way you help with golf? We rib each other, that's for sure. I mean, he'll he'll text me mid-broadcast sometimes about something I said, or then I'll do the same to him. And But we also help each other, too. When the minor leaguers are in the game, that's my time to shine. And then, you know, some of the obscure stories that I'm able to get in to, to text him and that kind of stuff. But we'll rib each other a little bit, but it's nothing crazy. I, I know how lucky and how, you know, blessed I am to have him as my dad. And 
you know, in this industry, it's all about who you know and the fact that, you know, it's not only who I know, but it's blood to have him in my corner. I'm, I'm so grateful and I'm crazy enough to get into this industry. It's all because of great. And my dad's at the top of that list, obviously. Well, it's just always so much fun to listen because I know how much it really, you know, we talk about your mom means everything. I know it means everything to you, but I mean, I can't tell you how many times your dad would be listening to you no matter what you were doing, whether it was stuff uh, around the country and how proud he is of you. And I, I know it's a really special moment for him every single time he does it. It's special for both of us. You know, the first time we did it, we would be fighting back tears the first couple of years. And now it's become a little more normal, a little more routine. But it is still fun when when he tosses to me, uh, you know, for the third inning and he says, here's Domino. So and I go, thanks, Dad. You know, that's that's the coolest moment for me, in my opinion. By the way, I'm on Aaron Hills's website right now. The course, I remember, I remember what Kepka won there, right? Yes, he did. That's where he got his first major. And I'm like sitting here watching it going, oh, amazing. But the problem is for us in baseball season, when does it close down? Yeah, that's the problem. So we closed first week of October this year. We opened first week of May. We do have winter in Milwaukee for obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's pretty crazy awesome, man. I mean, Justin Thomas shot the course record during that U.S. Open of 63. Go find the three-wood that he hit on the 18th hole on that Saturday. Best shot ever, perhaps, on those grounds. Uh, it's it's a really, really cool spot. And the cool thing about Aaron Hills is that it's all natural, right? It's not, it's not whistling straights. And it's not a knock on whistling straights that Pete Dye constructed this course from a flat, you know, airplane hangar. Aaron Hills, that's all glacial movement and hills and everything. It's, it's kind of amazing. That's how they found it in nature, and they fit a golf course on it. Yeah, all you got to do is go to AaronHills.com, and they have a, a, a flyover of the golf course and really no trees, and it's just uh, looks absolutely beautiful. So maybe not this year. Maybe it's like one of those where your dad and I, uh, we play hooky during the season and come meet you out there for a couple days. Well, I brought dad out during the All-Star break last year. It was me, him, Jeff Levering, and Brian Anderson. We played Aaron Hills on a perfect you know, afternoon during the All-Star break, and getting to see, you know, finally getting to return the favor. He's gotten me on some amazing places over the years and, you know, finally being able to say, hey, this is where I work. And, you know, you don't got to pull out your wallet or anything like that. That was that was really cool. And it's a special place. It's beautiful. It's quiet. It's in the middle of nowhere, just outside of Milwaukee. It's a perfect golf course, a perfect resort. And it's a little hidden golf mecca. I'm telling you, Wisconsin, 10 top 100 public courses in America, more than any other state. So, if you're planning a golf trip, come on up to Wisconsin, and I'll look for you at Aaron Hills. Uh, a little secret, Dom is a stick. What is your best score out there? I once shot 71 or a 73 there, which is one over par from the <laughs> one back. That's the blue tee, so about 7,000 yards. Luckily, it was no wind at all that day. That's the only reason I shot 73. Hey, 73-73, my friend. Have a great broadcast. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy today with your dad. Thank you, Townie. Thank you, Cody. See you guys soon. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Dom Catronio going to be joining his dad today here on A's Cast as we got a little brew crew with the Oakland Athletics. And by the way, I, uh, I salute the Brewers on going back to the old look. The colors, the WB, uh, the, um, the M and the B, it's just the, the – what would you call it? It's like it's like a navy blue with a gold. It's, is it a gold, yellow? It, 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 I love the uniform. Some people call it. It's, it's actually what Cal used to be. It's kind of yeah. what San Jose State is. 
the uh, Milwaukee Brewer logo, the old school, because they did that when they moved to the new ballpark. It's a glove with a B, right? Is yeah. That, that's what their logo is? They uh, they went to that. They had, like, the wheat. Yes. The logo had, like, the wheat in it. it it's basically it's the B, and the B is the glove with the ball in it, yeah. and then the M makes the webbing. It was awesome. It, it reminded me of, like, Robin Yount and Harvey's Wallbangers and Paul Molitor and all those great – um, all those great brewers way back in the day. I mean, our own – think about a guy who won the uh, MVP, our, our our own Raleigh Fingers, Raleigh, yeah. you know. Um, they had some great – they had some great teams. Harvey's Wallbangers played in the World Series. And those unis were sweet, and they went away from it, but they brought them back. So they got that, and I think they also had – they have the navy blue – you know, if you got cool colors and you got cool logos and you want to sell more more merchandise, by the way, going back, you know who also the Padres did the same thing the Brewers did. It's yeah. like smart business. I mean, we've always, I mean, Charlie Finley was brilliant. Wedding gown white. Well, it's white, but he calls it wedding gown white. Fort Knox gold. Kelly, you know, I mean, have some flair, have some style. Hey, that's one thing. When the A's play, when the A's head onto the field, there's no question who you're watching. There's there's not there's not you know there's there's never a time where you turn on a major league baseball game and the A's are on. You wonder who's that? Yeah, what team is that? Yeah, you know exactly who that is. This is like the Yankees, the pinstripes. You know who you you know you're watching. Well, there's a lot of teams that develop pinstripes, but not the Yankee pinstripes. I got you, but pin no one dre- no one dresses their players like the A's. Oh yeah, it's not even close. And by the way, when Stephen Vote and still, I wish we'd bring it back the the gold jerseys. Stephen Vote in that game two, we yeah. played the highlight against the uh, Tigers, the walk off one nothing victory. They were wearing the gold. It the, the gold jerseys are tight. I, why how did we get rid of? I mean, I love the Kelly Green; those are cool too. But the golds were money. Yeah, you have and, one. In, you have one in the studio here. I have one here in the studio. By the way. Uh, in the new studio, I came up with an idea. I haven't even told you about this yet. We're going to make a fan wall. And we're going to allow fans to send us stuff. This is this is in the early stages, by the way. But we're going to do a we're going to do a wall here cuz the new studio that I built in my house that we're doing it for essentially to make a lot larger to do more than just uh, A's cast and the A's radio network. We're going to be able to do a lot of video out of here. But we're going to dedicate a wall to A's fans to let them decorate the wall. And I think it could be really cool and interactive as we have the A's fans. We rotate stuff, and we'll have this interactive wall here in the one studio. There's only one studio in the Bay Area that is strictly dedicated to A's baseball. It's right here in San Jose. It's right here. It's only one. They don't have one. Uh, oh, what, what, what about NBC Sports? No. They do sharks out of where they do A's. And they do all kinds of stuff. This is the one studio that's dedicated to one team and one team only. That's the Oakland Athletics. I'll give you a quick stat real quick because we're talking about managers and everything. You know who the longest tenured manager in the National League is now? Longest tenured manager in the National League. It's not uh, It's council. Is it council? It's council, yeah. What's he, 2015? 15? Yeah. The longest tenured manager in baseball now with one team? It's not Bob Melvin. Not Bob Melvin anymore. It's the guy that was right behind him. 
the great Tito Francona. Oh God, that's so him and Ca- I think him he and Ca- even re- him and Cashy I think are the t- are the two. I don't even know if we're even going to really care about that anymore. Probably not because you'll we'll see t- managers drop you know jumping teams and stuff. I mean it, hap- it happens in every sport. Yeah, the days of Tom Landry being on the sidelines of the Dallas Cowboys in the fedora hat and the f- and using the phone instead of the headset, and he's there for twenty something years. That ain't happening. Yeah. The Steelers having three head coaches in fifty plus years. Those are <laughs> slow. That's slowly dying. Like, like having having a uh, a basketball coach as we're saying goodbye to Coach K. Having one guy in one spot for all those years as a dying. Talk about a dying breed. Uh, by the way, I eat my words on that one. I said I'm over Coach K. They win, and I said I want Mark Few to win a title. And Gonzaga lost. So, how did I'm, done, Ari- I'm, I'm done talking about college basketball. How did Arizona do? And they lost too. March Madness, man. My bracket's broken. All right, coming up next, it's the A's. It's the Brewers. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy A's baseball all through the weekend. We'll be back on Tuesday at a special start time getting you ready for the A's and the Dodgers. It's a TV game on Tuesday night. We will be on at what time? Uh, Four to six. Four to six on Tuesday night. So enjoy the next couple days of A's baseball. We'll see you on Tuesday. A's and Brew Crew next. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 